Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McVale. I'm an architect working in eastern Massachusetts, primarily on renovations and additions to existing houses. I'm putting together this podcast to help people get ready for their renovations and educate themselves about the various aspects that will go into a home renovation. Today is a bonus episode, and I talked to an architect from Toronto, Ontario, and it's just striking to me how we all have the same issues no matter where we're working, and clients have the same issues. They go through the same thing with their renovation. So here's our discussion. Okay, so I am talking today to Ryan Schwartz, who is an architect in Toronto. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Uh, Do you want to say anything else about your practice or Um, residential work? Yeah, yeah. So residential, um, I've sort of worked all over the board, but then the last few years I've really focused in on on residential work and custom homes. So that's sort of my my wheelhouse and area of expertise. Great. And you have some stories that could help people learn maybe what not to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Share with us. All right. Yeah. So go ahead. I haven't heard these stories, so I'm looking forward to hearing them. <laughs> well, in in putting this uh, together, I was thinking through some some past projects and and things that have gone wrong, and and writing these projects down, and and then it's sort of there's some themes that have come up in in these stories. So there's a couple of things where it's it usually comes back to either time and uh, education. Those those seem to be the sort of the main themes where. Generally, people are in a rush and things have to get done quickly and that's where problems arise. And then um, that sort of leads into the education part too. And I think that a lot of that comes back to, uh, you know, it's on the architect to, to help educate their clients and and really make sure everyone's on the same page. Because when people don't know, you know, exactly what's happening or when things are, if there's some ambiguity, that's when problems tend to arise. So um, those were the sort of the two themes here that, that I have, I've found. So um one project in particular it was a it's a big house in a nice neighborhood here in toronto and and uh there was a there's a couple that basically were doing a renovation to their their big house and um but they they weren't necessarily on the same page they they didn't sit down and talk with uh with each other about money and finances and stuff until basically we sat down (laughs) as as the architects and then you know, we come in with our first set of plans and say, you know what, we'd like to do this and this and this. And then, you know, the budget could be this. And then that's when they started having their discussion on money. And and then it it became a little awkward for us because basically, you know, this is the first time that they've had this conversation about spending these hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. And we're sort of sitting there on the other side of the table, um, you know, acting as counselors and, and relationship therapists a little bit. So, yeah. So what, so what happened? Well, it was interesting actually because um, the basically one one partner was sort of leading the project and the other one was sort of taking a back seat. And uh, the partner who was leading the project um, in the relationship, she uh, she sort of had a good idea. She was crafty in that she added a couple extra things to the project and the scope of work, knowing that we could then take them out and then mm. it would look good on, on their end. And she'd think that yeah. it would look like they're saving some money. Well, that's, that's a good tip, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that's the best way to approach uh, projects together, but I mean, that that's definitely one way to go. Yeah. Um, that's actually, I kind of like that idea. 
Well, okay. and, and it worked. It did. It definitely worked for her. Um, we took a few big budget items out. And then uh, at the end of the day, she looked like a hero because she was willing to sacrifice uh, <laughs> certain parts of the project. And, and uh, he felt like he was saving some money and, and everyone got along. But yeah, I would, yeah. I would definitely recommend talking about the project and money and how much you want to spend and, and, you know, before you, you sit down with your architect or your builder and, you know, flesh those things out and say, you know what, is there a cap? How much are we willing to spend on these things? And, and just really come, come prepared with those kind of answers. So. Right. That's a very, that is a very good point. And it, it happens a lot that they don't agree on how much money they're going to spend on the project actually. So. For sure. And, and I mean, people have competing values and interests like somebody, you know, one person in the relationship might want uh, you know, maybe a pool or, you know, they want to spend a lot of money in the kitchen, whereas the other person is going to get more value out of, you know, finishing the basement or something. So those are the important conversations to have. So Right. In the privacy, you know, before <laughs> the other people come exactly. over. A yeah. pre-conversation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. That's good. Hope people follow um, your advice on that one. Yeah. Yeah. That one's pretty straightforward. Um, another one would be to, to follow all the, all the proper steps and to get a building permit. I've seen too many times where people think that they're, they're going to cut a corner and save a little bit of time and money by, you know, not getting a building permit. And it, it always, always bites them afterwards. So there's these little things pop up and, you know, it kind of becomes a, this web of, of lies where then, you know, maybe the electrical wasn't inspected and then, you know, all these things start to spiral out of control. And if they had just sort of taken a little bit more time in the, the front end of the project and, and plan things out and do all the proper steps, um, then you're not having to worry about these little, uh, these nagging things in the back of your mind of like, what could go wrong and things like that. Right. And also I feel like getting a permit protects the homeowner actually. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, this one project in particular, it was on a, it was a, a middle-aged couple, but they, they owned this, a fairly large building downtown and they lived on the main floor and they were, they had two uh, university age kids and one uh, young grandchild and they were all going to, basically they lived on the main floor and were going to renovate the upper floors and have everyone move in and keep all the family nice and close. But they, they sort of piecemealed it together. So they did a little bit here and a little bit there and a lot of it before a building permit. And then, you know, they had a half of the work done before they realized, Oh, you know what, maybe we do need a building permit before we really get into the more serious stuff. But then, you know, then they felt like they couldn't because they'd already progressed so far. They'd have to undo some work and it, you know, and they, there were some safety concerns too, because then you're having basically a small child that's part of their family living upstairs. And you know, what if, there was a fire and something wasn't up to code like that ultimately that will come back to them. And I don't know if that's worth saving, you know, a thousand dollars on a building permit. Like that's, yeah, it's definitely not. It's one of those things. Yeah. Or that, that can weigh on your mind for a long time. And it's just having the peace of mind, knowing that everything is signed off and you know, everyone's uh, everything's above board and everything is nice and safe. I mean that, I think that's worth, you know, that's worth that extra little bit of time and money up front. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Cause as you said, it's kind of a web of lies and then, and then you feel like you can't, yeah, you just, you just don't want to go back to the building department and then you get kind of sketchy people working on your project too, because a lot of the time, um, that's a big part of it. Yeah. If you, if you find some contractors that are willing to do work without a building permit, I mean, generally they're, I don't want to say they're less respectable, but you know, then they're probably well, willing to cut some more corners and then, 
Right. Yeah, then and then you have no recourse. Exactly. Because nobody's, the inspector isn't coming to check it out and make sure everything's done the way it should be. Exactly. And then people, you know, maybe they pay the contractor in cash, but then there's no paper trail. So the contractor can say, well, I didn't do that. And exactly. Yeah. There's nothing documented. And then really the, it just comes back to the homeowner, homeowner and everything falls on their shoulders. So, um, right. yeah, everything can, can start to spiral out of control, which is uh, nobody wants that. So. No. So that's definitely, so get a contract, get a permit and just do it all by the book. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. along that same line, um, I've seen a lot of people that always, you know, people tend to gravitate towards the cheapest contractor and that's, Something that I always recommend is getting multiple bids, you know, get at least three. So then you have your plans and your, your construction drawings and then you, you, you know, shop them around to get a, a few prices. And I, I generally recommend to go with one that's in the middle because the, I've seen it too many times where you have uh, the contractor that comes in with the lowest bid and then there's often problems. Either it's, sometimes it's a, it's a big sophisticated contractor who comes in with a low bid um, knowing that there's, they've had someone sort of pick apart the drawings and see that maybe there's some things missing mm. and they can, they can make up this money in the, with change orders partway through. And so, you know what, you didn't specify, you know, this type of flooring, which is actually a lot more work. So that's an extra. And then to do this kind of finish on the ceiling that wasn't specified and that's an extra. And then all what seemed like the really cheap bid up front, you know, ends up costing quite a bit more in the long run. Mm-hmm. Or the, the flip side is you have a, a small contractor that comes in with that low bid and instead of really overanalyzing it and picking holes through it, they just missed things. And then, you know, they, they left out $50,000 worth of work that they just didn't even catch. And then partway through the job, they realize and they're not going to make any money and then they just walk away and cut their losses. So, yeah, I've seen that a few times and it's really um, awful to watch because I have, I've also had contractors who have really low bids and then I'm trying to get them to be, I'm actually trying to get them actually involved and not say it's only going to be a hundred thousand when actually it's going to be, let's say 230,000, which is a big mm -hmm. difference. You know, that's huge. Oh, for so sure. It's so obvious that they're not, they're not including everything. And then I'll say, what about you didn't include this for, mm -hmm. include this. And are you sure you're looking at this flooring? And, and so then eventually they'll creep up and up with their price. Yeah. But then even so my, my client shows them, which they chose them. And then the foundation, he did a completely different <laughs> shoddy foundation than even than what I had drawn, right. which I didn't yep. realize until when it was way too late. Yep. So that's just distressing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I recommend getting at least three. And I mean, the more the merrier, if you can get 10 people to bid on a job, like I don't see why not, then you, you I mean, you have more choice to choose from and mm. some people may not be available. And I think it's just, it's better in the long run. If you find 10 bids and eight of them are really close, then I mean, then you can probably feel a certain amount of confidence with those, with those bids. So. Right. I don't know if I don't know what it's like up in Toronto right now, but down here it's really hard to get anybody to bid on anything. Well, yeah, and and that sort of ties into labor markets and things like around here. Things are really busy, and then you start having, you know, these fly-by-night contractors that pop up that say that they, you know, because there's so many jobs, it's tough to get the good, respectable people to do the work, and then you know, these little fly by night companies pop up saying that they can do it for this and this and this, and then yeah, all these issues arise and it. So while we're on the topic of that, well, how would you say, I don't have an answer to this necessarily, but how would you, how would you recommend that people recognize a fly by night 
contractor versus a respectable contractor? Yeah, it, it can be tough. I mean, <laughs> a big thing is um, if they have, uh, if you can get some referrals, if you can speak to people, if they're willing to give some names and numbers of people that they've worked with in the past and you can call them up and, and, and they say good things and they're willing to show you photos or maybe even let you come over and inspect the work. If they have a long history of, of people that they're willing to put you in touch with, that's great. If they, the opposite would be true in that if they only have one or two people and you can't get a hold of them and they, you know, they don't have any previous examples of work that that's a red flag for sure. Right. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's right. References. Yeah. Yeah. References. And especially if it's someone that, you know, like if you're able to get, if you're able to find a contractor through someone that you trust, like through a friend or a coworker that's worked with them before, yeah. um, that, that goes a long way too, as opposed to a stranger. So um, I think if somebody comes to your house and says, Hey, I'm, I'm working up the street, which it seems like they're always saying <laughs> I'm working up the street. And I noticed that you could use some work on this and that like, yeah. uh, uh, no, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And the, the date on their business card, you know, it only goes back 18 months or something like that. And right. they dissolve the company every few years and restart. Like that, that definitely happens. So, oh, geez. yeah, I mean, there are people just starting out. So, I mean, I think there's a difference obviously between people just starting out and people who are not really trying to start a business or for sure. Business, yeah. So. And, it, and it depends on the scale of the project. Like if, if you're just going to renovate your washroom, then yeah, it, it probably doesn't hurt to take a chance on someone who's young and starting out and eager because they might do a fantastic job. Like they might just be looking for that first job to really get some photos and you know, right. they're willing but, to take a loss on that first one. But um, yeah, if you're, if you're doing a whole custom home, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't go with the person who, you know, this is their first house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Generally yeah, <probably> speaking. <laughs> um, yeah, I have had contractors walk away in the middle of a project because it just got to be too, yep. too much. Yeah. And they uh, had a breakdown left. And that, you know, that's where your architect can, can play a vital role because they, you know, they can go in and inspect the work and say, you know what, they've done 35% of the framing and, you know, you should pay up to that point, but no, no further. Right. If you're if you're working without a professional and they you know the contractor asks for for payment for things that haven't been done yet and then they walk away, well then you know that's that's kind of on you at the end of the day and there's really not much recourse and when they disappear and dissolve the company and you can't get a hold of them. So true. So uh, yeah. All right. Um, and the the only other thing I would say is just to plan plan ahead and that kind of comes back to time and just being in a rush. So many people like to start without necessarily knowing where, what their end goal is or where they want to end up. And I've seen projects where they're, they're pouring foundations, but they don't really know what the interior layout necessarily, you oh, know, maybe boy, yeah, that's, that's yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, if you don't necessarily have to know your finishes and stuff, you know, when you're going for a building permit, like you don't need to have a faucet picked out and a shower tile and that kind of stuff. But I mean, you should have a pretty good idea of of what you want and spend that little bit of time up front. Um, and it's a lot easier to change things on paper and it's a lot cheaper than it is, you know, when everything's built and you have to tear mm. out walls and move things around. It's much easier just to move a few lines on the piece of paper ahead of time. That is very true. <laughs> I have I have gone to site visits at projects where they, the client and the contractor have decided to move walls around, mm -hmm. you know, without mentioning it to me. And that's also a dangerous thing to do if you have an architect involved. I mean, I think you should probably tell them because there may be a reason that the wall was in the place where it was because, you know, they're, they're 
sometimes there aren't reasons, but sometimes there are good reasons for something for sure. that might then, seem odd to the contractor. And then one one little change, even if it seems innocent like that, there might be a lot of um, you know reverberations throughout the rest of the design. Like one little movement could affect a lot of other things that you know everything's sort of linked together one way or another. So and things do affect other things um, around them. So that's yeah, true. Um, yeah. It's true. And a lot of the uh, little details, we we have a bigger picture on the whole project, whereas mm -hmm. the someone venting the stove might not exactly yep. have an idea of what's happening elsewhere. So yep. anyway, so taking your time, getting everything set before you start construction yeah. is a very good yeah, basically, yeah, try idea. and have yeah, try and have things figured out. There one project in particular was um it was a big new uh, custom home and they knew that they wanted to have a, a green roof uh, for uncertain portions of the, the roof. And, but there was no system or anything, no particular uh, manufacturer or installer or system put in place. Hmm. We just kind of had a placeholder and, you know, green roof goes here and that's all we knew. But then of course we already had the building permits and whatnot. So then later on when things were, you know, at 75% constructed, um, then a system was picked and it turned out to be a little heavier than what was anticipated. And um, then you're going in and you, you know, having to change framing and then the building inspector gets involved again. And, you know, then you're taking one step forward and two steps back and, you know, you're just, you're causing more work and headache. Even it seems like you're saving time up front, but really you're just paying for it on the back end with, with more time and more money and more headache really. So. Right. And the headache is involved in the scrambling for things. Like for sure. Yep. That's just, and, it, and I feel like the, the homeowners are already under pressure and stress. Maybe they're mm -hmm. not living at their own house or if they're living there, it's just a construction zone. It's stressful in itself. And mm -hmm. then having to, not knowing, let's say what you're actually installing in the bathroom, not having the shower valve and having someone say, you need the shower valve by Tuesday. And then right. all of a sudden your whole weekend's shot because you have to spend the whole time figuring out and agreeing on what you're going to do in a really compressed, stressful situation. Yep. Even little things like like that, just planning out the schedule and knowing when you need to make decisions. And mm -hmm. definitely, I love to hear that they did a green roof because I'm trying to push those green roofs. I would love to see some of those actually constructed, but it never really yeah, makes it. Yeah, it, it turned out great. It looks, uh, it turned out fantastic. But yeah, there was some some headache to get it in, but <laughs> but it turned out really well. So, um, well, that's great. So is that? Are those your three points for today? Would you yeah, say? Yeah, really. Yeah, basically. Yeah, take take your time and and plan things out ahead of time, and then educate yourself. Um, I know. Yeah, like like you mentioned, there's a lot of decisions. People don't. I think people underestimate the thousands and hundreds of thousands of decisions they have to make when they they build a new house that you that you may not even consider long ahead of time. But there's a lot of decisions to be made. So that work with your builder and your architect and and educate yourself so that you're not scrambling at the last minute to make a decision that impacts a lot of other things. So, um, right. And not yeah. getting something you really like because you have to buy what's available. That well, day. And, and that's a shame because it's, I mean, if you're building a new house or renovating your house, it's one of those, those giant investments that people make in their lives. It's one of the biggest investments they'll probably make. And then, yeah, you want to, you don't want to rush it and then not be happy with it and then have to live there for 20 years. Like it, it, I think it makes more sense to, take the extra couple months and fully plan things out. And mm -hmm. if you have everything worked out to the littlest detail, then construction will just go along nice and smooth and it'll just be easier on everyone. So definitely. Well, yeah. I love that advice. Thank you, Ryan. Do you want to say anything else about your firm? 
Uh, sure. Yeah. If anyone's listening up in, in Canada, um, you can re- get in touch. My email is ryan at nordhouse.ca. That's N-O-R-D-H-A-U-S. Um, and uh, nordhouse.ca is the website and I'd be happy to chat with, with anyone. So. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time to help people today, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, I hope that you got something out of that. Educating yourself is important on this. It's a big investment. Um, Renovations can be stressful. You can minimize that stress by deciding on as much as you can ahead of construction. So thank you so much for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. I am excited to see people listening all over the world. I can't even imagine it, but that's what I, I see on my analytics. So it must be true, I guess, right? So this show is produced by my architecture firm, which is Demios Architects. If you have any specific renovation questions that you just want to run by me, I'm open for a chat. You can find the information about how to get in touch with me on uh, www.demiosarchitects.com. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please email me at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Bye.